air travel, and venous thrombosis. What's the connection? You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, your host, and my guest today will be Dr. Suzanne Conaheter, who is an Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the Leiden University Medical Center at Leiden in the Netherlands. Dr. Conaheter comes to us today from her home in the Netherlands. Uh, thanks for being with us today, uh, Suzanne. We appreciate that. We're going to be talking a little bit about venous thrombosis and the connection with air travel, maybe some physiologic mechanisms. But uh, before we get into that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your medical background and, and how you got interested in, in this particular subject. Sure, yes. Well, I've been interested in the etiology of venous thrombosis for, uh, for a couple of years, even though I also study other subjects, clinical epidemiology department. We, we look at many different diseases, but venous thrombosis is my main focus, really. And yes, in, in the year 2000, there was a, a huge media hype in the UK, and after that, interested in, in the relation between air travel and, and venous thrombosis was suddenly very high, and we received money from the UK government and the European Union to look into this problem via an, an international uh, collaboration between several centers in the, in the UK and in Europe. And within this project, we've been doing a couple of different studies, epidemiological studies and pathophysiological studies. It looks like you've published both your own work and you've also reviewed or done a systematic review of uh, studies that have been done before you. Could you tell us a little bit about your general conclusions about the, your review of the literature? Yes, it is quite interesting because the, the literature, is, there isn't that much yet, obviously, because it's been going on only for a couple of years. but. All the studies that have been done are really quite consistent, and they all show an increased risk of about two to four folds. So that, that indicates, in my view, that this is probably true. So on average, for the general population, the risk would be two to four folds increase. And also there are a couple of studies that find same risk groups, so people with genetic defects who already have an increased risk for thrombosis do worse when they travel, and also pill users. Uh, have an increased risk, which so that has been found in, in more studies as well. So they are on, on the whole, they are quite consistent. I understand there's been some work that suggests that the presence of a mild or moderate hypoxia at altitude might contribute to that. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? That's the, the literature on that is a little bit less consistent because people have done different experiments. Some some people have put people in, in a hyperbaric chamber and, and measured clotting factors during exposure there and others like we put people in an airplane and looked at what happened to your uh, to your clotting system and and those results are not always uh, in line with each other so we found quite strong effects from being in an airplane in about 15 percent of, of 70 volunteers we found clear signs of clotting activation but others, for example, uh, Dr. Tov from Leicester, he's also in, in our right project, he did a, a comparable study and put volunteers in a in hyperbaric chamber and exposed them to the same level of hypoxia as you would have in an airplane. But he did not find such a proportion of, of people with activated clotting. Uh, mm -hmm. So there could be either two, uh, there could be two explanations for those differences, mm -hmm. in my view, 
And one is that it's not the hypoxia, but there, there is another condition in an airplane which, which contributes. And we were speculating that it's hypoxia, but it could also be perhaps air pollution or, or stress or, or cosmic radiation, things like that. No? So you can really speculate. There are, there are obviously many factors that are different in an airplane from, from normal being on the ground. So it could be that that it's not really the, the hypoxia itself. Or another explanation may be we put people in the airplane who already had a couple of risk factors. So, so most of them had Factor five Leiden or used to pill. People who were put in the hyperbaric chamber in, in, in Leicester did not have that many risk factors. They were more healthy. So that could also explain it, that it's more phenomenon that occurs in people who are already susceptible for some reason. And so it sounds like we're going to need some more research in this area. Yes, absolutely. Is your group going to be involved in that? Are you continuing to look at this issue? Yeah, indeed. We would like to do that study to get more information into this mechanism. That would be important in general, too, for the pathophysiology. The Wright study, I know, had funds allocated for that research. Is that going to be ongoing for the next reasonable period of time? I mean, should we continue to see research coming from that effort? Yeah, well, we're still finishing projects that we were doing, but that was this with the same uh, funds, about the same projects. But yes, you're right. We, we would like, we are actually looking for more funding for new studies, and those would be not only looking into the mechanism, but the thing that we would really like to know now is about interventions. So how can we prevent this uh, happening in people? And even though the the absolute risk in general is not extremely high. It appears to be quite high in some risk groups. So it would make sense to, to think about some, some sort of prevention, and that is something that we would really like to study. Yeah, sounds interesting. For uh, those of you who are just tuning in, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Suzanne Kanahider, about air travel and venous thrombosis. What's the connection? We've talked uh, about groups that may have pre-existing risk factors. We've talked about the possibly the risk factor of being sedentary, not moving around in an aircraft or in a movie theater. And we've talked about possible other things in the airplane like hypoxia or other environmental factors. Do you think that the evidence so far is enough that clinicians should advise their patients in some fashion about long-distance air travel if, for example, they fit in any of these risk groups? Would you advise your patients if you were in that position? Yes, that's a, that's a difficult point. So, like I said, for the, for the general population, on average, the risk is, is increased, but that not that much, a couple of times. But the baseline risk is not very high for venous thrombosis. So even if it's increased a couple of times, would still not be extremely high. So it would make sense to focus really only on high-risk groups. And then the, the next question is exactly who are those high-risk groups? So people who, women, young women who are using the pill are clearly at a high risk. But again, it's not that high yet to warrant real preventive measures. But then from, from our research, that has not been published yet, but we're looking into that. It appears that when a person has combination of risk factors. So, for example, if someone is overweight and using the pill and has some clotting defects, then the, the risk really do become very high. And for those people, it would make sense probably to look prophylactic measures. And it's 
also obviously the case for people who have already had thrombotic events. So people who are who've experienced a thrombosis or a pulmonary embolism have quite a high risk already of a recurrence. And that has not been studied what the recurrence risk is in an air travel, in an airplane, but you can imagine that that would be quite high. So in those people, in those very high risk groups, I would like to do further research to find out what exactly would be the best way to prevent it. I would think that people who are recently post-operative from anything it would be another one. And it's interesting because we as docs, when we have somebody who's post-op, we ask them to move around a lot, get out of bed, get ambulatory early. It sounds like maybe we should advise our patients on airplanes to move around more than they do. Absolutely, yes. And that's already what airlines themselves are doing. And uh, even though they don't really use the term venous thrombosis much, they still advise you all the time to, to move around. But yeah, we all know that that's easier said than done, especially when you're uh, sitting at the window or something like that. And there are always people running around with trolleys and so on. So it's not always easy. So yeah, yes, you're right. But there there are people who have been thinking about this problem and have been making um, devices. Yeah. It's really interesting. So little things that can help you move your muscles. That could actually be perhaps something. So we've also some experience with a little device that you put around your calf and it, it contracts all the time so it imitates your calf muscle to move. So that would be interesting and that would not have the drawbacks obviously of pharmacological interventions. I mean, you could, we could obviously prescribe low molecular weight heparin which is probably a good idea in, in those very high risk groups like people who have a history of uh, thrombosis. But they would always have the drawback of a bleeding risk, even though it, it would not be very high. But if it's prescribed on a large scale, it, it could still cause a couple of serious bleeds, which you wouldn't like to have. Do you think that this information, this small but defined suspected risk, do you think this is gotten out there to the practicing physician? Is it, is it your sense that docs know about this? Do we have to do some educating? Any thoughts on the education part of this? Or, or do you think it's ready to be out there as known knowledge at this point? Yeah, I'm not sure. I find that difficult to interpret. In Holland, I guess, yes, sort of accepted as a risk factor and, and, and doctors will, will pay attention to it, I think. And, and it certainly has in the UK where there has been lots of concern about this. I'm not sure about the rest of the world. I, I don't really know. I think in the U.S. it's only, it's only sort of beginning to become appreciated as a risk factor for thrombosis. But I, I'm, I'm really not in a position to judge that very well. Right. But it seems to me that as uh, certainly as more research comes out, the conversation will increase. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you expect to be doing in the next year or so with your group? I will still focus on this subject. And I think we haven't studied all aspects of it. In particular, I, I would like to... to see what the components are of the contribution of the immobilization and the other factors that, that may contribute to environmental factors in an airplane. So I would like to still to know more about the mechanism. And in particular, we are, we are looking for funding to, to, look, to do these intervention studies. Cause we, you know, I'm not, I don't know if you noticed, but there's 2 billion people flying each year. It's really a huge amount. <laughs> For uh, those of you who are just tuning in, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Suzanne Conaheter about air travel and venous thrombosis. What's the connection? 
So, so when you travel, do you move around a lot? Do you think about this? I don't know maybe if you noticed, but we also we did an actual survey among doctors who work in this field. Because we had a conference in Sydney, in Australia, in 2006, and at that time it was just beginning to emerge among doctors and other researchers who were working in this field. And they were all flying to Sydney. <laughs> so we were interested in, in what, what they would be doing. So we, we sent them a questionnaire. And it was really surprising how many people, and particularly doctors, were having a little bit of uh, heparin. I really appreciate your taking some time to uh, be with us today. Dr. Suzanne Kanagater has been our guest. We've been discussing air travel and venous thrombosis. What's the connection? I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with the promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thank you for listening.